Broadcasting live from Global Headquarters and RP Enterprises in Greenwood, Missouri. Stand by on this frequency. After 22 years of entertaining FM radio listeners across the U.S., across the U.S., this man is the owner and executive producer of the award-winning Heartland Waterfowl on Sportsman's Channel, CEO and founder of Dumar Chemical Solutions, and the man behind the mic of Papa Ron Radio Voiceovers and Production. He's the man, the myth. The legend, a global icon, future Nobel Prize winner, and of course he paid me to say all this. Really? Literally. Welcome to the Papa Ron Podcast. Here's your host, Ronnie Phillips. Ronnie Phillips. All right, welcome back. It's episode number two of the Papa Ron Podcast, and this is the official theme song. When things get tough, you just got to circle yourself with some good people, put in some good prayer, and roll with the changes, baby. This week's show is going to be much like last week's show. The topics discussed this week are going to be fun, but they are also going to be deep. And that said, just want to take a quick minute and say thank you to the guest from last week. Now, fortunately, I'm honored to have Dakota Thurn in studio also want to say thank you to Quentin Verlinek, who helped me out with the episode last week, but also want to send a massive shout-out to my boy Matthew Blades. I want to make sure to follow his podcast, Learn From Those Who Lived It. I genuinely love Matthew Blades, and that interview with him last week really unpacked a lot. So if you missed the inaugural episode of the Papa Ron Podcast, you have to go back and watch and listen, and watch or listen, because you can watch it on Spotify or on the YouTube channel. It was the perfect way to launch this podcast. Don't forget... Uh, I love to have our listeners be a part of the show. You can follow the Papa Ron podcast on social media from Instagram to Facebook, TikTok, learn about upcoming show topics and guests. Then you can be a part of the show. You can send in a text or leave a voicemail with your questions or comments at 816-558-6389. The show is available on all of your uh, popular podcast platforms. Say that 10 times fast on all of your popular podcast platforms. Uh, So please go and subscribe to the Papa Ron Podcast. We also, again, have video versions available on Spotify and YouTube, but you can also listen on Apple, Amazon, Google, and CastBox. Now, later on the show, we're going to be talking to the founder and president of the Restoration House of Greater Kansas City, Rodney Hammer. Now, Rodney has held this title for the last seven years, and this organization offers long-term residential housing with faith-based restorative programs and services for adult women and minor girl survivors of human trafficking. It's a topic that is widely uncomfortable for many to discuss, but all of us here at Heartland Waterfowl and our brothers at Heartland Bowhunter feel called to bring this topic to the forefront. And in doing so, we have collectively chosen the Restoration House of Greater Kansas City as the beneficiary of the Heartland Premier Charity Golf Classic, which is coming up on Friday, June 3rd at Fred Arbanis Golf Course. We'll discuss the golf tournament and the premiere event a little bit later in the show. That said, I'd like to welcome tonight's special co-host. This guy and his family hold a very special place in my heart. In particular, he and his dad, Rex, were instrumental in my involvement in launching Heartland Waterfowl, along with helping me start my entrepreneurial career. Ladies and gents, fellow owner of Heartland Waterfowl and co-owner and executive producer of the award-winning Heartland Bowhunter on Outdoor Channel, Sean Luckton. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. How you doing, pal? I'm doing good, doing good. I uh, I wasn't nervous at all until <laughs> until you heard your intro. name. <laughs> well, no, the whole in- the entire oh, intro. Oh yeah. I was like, 
Dang. Yeah, we're trying yeah. to make this a real production, man. It is. The Premier and Charity Golf Tournament is coming up in about a month. And before we get into all of that, you guys have been real busy chasing turkeys all across the country for your full strut series that's on the Heartland Bowhunter YouTube channel. And it is exclusively on, is it full strut exclusively on YouTube? No, we put it um, actually multiple places. Uh, Our Facebook, Instagram, Waypoint, Carbon TV. Wow. um, Okay, I didn't know that. Maybe a couple others. I know there's Roku. um, Oh, wow. it's, It's kind of all over the board, but we promote YouTube, I'd say, the most. and. Um, seems like that's where most of our following is going to watch it. So good. Yeah. It's been a weird weather wise spring for turkey hunting. And has that had any imp- impact on, on your guys' season? How have you guys overall as a team done? Yeah, it has. It, we went from, uh, March to now, I think we're in June, but technically we're in May, it seems like, but, um, yeah, with it actually kind of being a late spring, I feel like it had a huge impact, a good impact. Um, you know, it seems like Missouri season usually opens, too late for for the springtime and like the way the birds are acting so with it just that cold weather and everything if it seemed like the birds were still like in the early stages of i'm not gonna call it a turkey rut because they don't <laughs> rut but it seems like a turkey rut. right and uh, i got you yeah, yeah yeah they were just they worked really well and it was good spring good yeah good well as much as you guys loved hunting turkeys obviously white-tailed deer hunting big game that that is your main passion um and the new season which hard to believe season freaking fifth of Heartland Bowhunter, season uh, fifteen. Yeah, we're gonna start having to go by the year because we're getting up there, man. It's crazy. I can't even believe it's fifteen. It's, I know it. Uh, yeah. So that's uh, coming out the first week of July on Outdoor Channel. Uh, for those who might be watching or listening to this podcast, what uh, give us a sneak peek? What can they expect in season fifteen? Man, I would say diversity. Um, we had a real struggle. Mike and I both struggled big time last last fall. So uh, we really relied on the rest of the team to kind of pick up our slack, um, and that's just how it goes because. We all know hunting's never a guarantee. It's hunting. If it was, we wouldn't be doing it. But yeah, you know, Mike was due to have a bad, bad year. Yeah, that's that guy. He always just falls into a bed of roses. It seems like he, he was due. Four, <laughs> I think he's probably had like fourteen good years. <laughs> right, exactly. Fifteen was like an average one for most of us. But yeah, probably a little bit of a struggle for him. <laughs> so yeah, it was uh, it was fun, uh, and I would say Van Skyler had a phenomenal one. Yeah, phenomenal did. season. So he picked up a lot of the slack and. Yeah, just uh, it seemed like just a good, strong, average year, but definitely not our best. But okay. that's relatable, man. I good. Mean, everybody has ups and downs. Sure, not sure. Just in hunting, but in life. So we know this part, <clears throat> despite of how what the struggle is, how good the hunting was, how bad the hunting was. We do know this: that Heartland Bow Hunter is going to tell a hell of a story. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. So we can plan on that. All right. Coming up after the break, we're going to discuss the evolution of Heartland Bowhunter and Heartland Waterfowl. And many of the changes in the outdoor industry and how outdoor content is, how it's changed in the last 15 years. Later on in the show, we're also going to discuss the upcoming Heartland Premier and Charity Golf Classic. And we're going to address a very serious topic in our society that is difficult for many to discuss. Founder and president of the Restoration House of Greater Kansas City, Rodney Hammer, will talk about the constant battle to fight human trafficking. That is coming up next on the all-new Papa Ron Podcast. The Papa Ron Podcast is brought to you by the award-winning Heartland Waterfowl, airing now on Sportsman's Channel. Check heartlandwaterfowl.com for air times. The all-new Season 9 debuts in July on Sportsman's Channel. And don't forget about the new original series on the Heartland Waterfowl YouTube channel. Check it out and don't doubt the scout. Now back to the Papa Ron Podcast. Here's Ronnie Phillips. 
Don't forget you can follow the Papa Ron Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok to find out about future guests and topics. And I encourage you to be a part of the show by leaving a voicemail or texting 816-558-6389. Visit the home of the Papa Ron Podcast online at paparonradio.com. Human trafficking. It's a very, very serious topic. The Restoration House of Greater Kansas City has several homes across the metro that houses and offers faith-based restorative programs and services for victims of human trafficking. And we're going to learn more about that and how you can help by participating in the first ever Heartland Premier Charity Golf Classic on Friday, June 3rd at Fred Arbonus. Is it Fred Arbonus or Fred Arbanus? I always think I'm... Sp- pronouncing it wrong. Anyway, tomato, tomato, you get the idea. We're going to talk about that charity golf classic coming up uh, a little bit later in the show. Special guest again, special co-host, Sean Luchtel, uh, not only a brother, but a friend to me. And he is the owner and executive producer of Heartland Bowhunter. Uh, we talked about the launch of season 15. It's coming out on Outdoor Channel the first week of July. Um, share with us, if you would, the journey of the last 15 years, because there's been a lot of changes in the outdoor industry. So let's go back to the beginning of HB and then how that kind of evolved to the beginning of Heartland Waterfowl and just how much the industry has changed over the last 15 years. Man. There's a lot to unpack there, isn't there? Sorry. There big question. It's, yeah, it's a, <laughs> that's a very big question for sure. Um, Man, when we first started, it was wild because, you, you know, we, we started out, uh, I can't even remember what network we were on in the very beginning. I don't remember if it was the man channel or. Oh, so, well, it was Sportsman in the beginning, I thought, but it was something else very, before that. Huh? Very, yeah, oh, no, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, actually, in the very, very beginning, we started streaming our episodes on our website, which was like never heard of. But, I mean, you had to huh. sit there and like buffer. The, the videos sure and like to load them to watch them and everything so it, it wasn't because really, 15 years ago everybody still had dial-up right pretty much yeah <laughs> yeah it was wild but that's where that's where we started and um, from there we went to television and then once we got to tv our goal was to get to sportsman's channel and then in the end was really to get to the main goal was to get to the outdoor channel but um i just remember back then everything seemed so huge and just so big it's like you know if you got to the outdoor channel you were you were just living it yeah not that yeah not that we're not living it because I mean, and we're blessed. I never would have thought I'd be in the position that I am today, but like, yeah, me either. Gosh, it was wild. I just remember, um, that was the main goal. And when we were out there hunting, it was, we were every, we were just so green to all of it that, um, you know, anything and everything was something new. And, and now 15 years later, not that there's not new things, but it's just like, you know, feel like you've been around the block a few times. Absolutely. Anyhow, we went to the sportsman's channel spent a few years there we won some awards which was incredible yeah um never thought that would have happened and then we eventually made it to the um the outdoor channel i want to say gosh it was probably season six or seven so well it was right about the time that we were getting ready to come out with heartland waterfowl um we were both on outdoor channel i think the first year that heartland waterfowl was on outdoor channel but it was oh wait a minute you're talking about the change when you guys went to outdoor channel yeah so it right. was right before yep. we even launched our show yep yep, yep. that's yep. right yep and it, honestly, I feel like when we moved to that network um, back then, it was a drastic change for us. We grew tremendously. I feel like we probably tripled in growth as far as our social media following and just people contacting us and everything. It, it was it was awesome. Um, and then anyhow, as far as the industry goes, you know, when we first started, there was really just TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, people People going to your website was very seldom and few and far between. Nobody really knew who we were. So once you got TV, it's kind of, it opened up a lot of doors, not mm-hmm. only just with your network of people, but with sponsorships, with, which clearly um, helped fund the show. And that's our main uh, source of revenue. So, yeah, it was it was heavily TV influenced. And then uh, as social media started to gain traction, that's when it all really changed, as as we all know. Yeah. And then it was I don't know, I want to say probably six, seven years ago. That's when 
uh, Mike and I really started to think about like, all right, we got to really spread ourselves everywhere we possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, not only obviously with TV, but on the digital side, we got to be everywhere. And that w- that's really just been our goal ever since then. Um, and now it's like, everything seems so content and engagement driven. It's like, you can just never put out enough good stuff. Never. Yeah, I know it. Um, it's exhausting know. actually. <laughs> it is. It is very exhausting, but it seemed like, you know, the 13 episodes was a stretch in the beginning and now that's obviously far more than expected. And then, you know, everything else on, on the digital side is just even more. It's every day, all day. Yeah. And then of course, like we, we were talking about <clears throat> you guys somewhere along the way felt like there was an opportunity to create an extension of your brand with the waterfowl show. And then that's where Logan and I kind of got involved. What was your guys's conversations that you had internally with your dad and Brad and, and, and Mike and yourself that thought like, Hey, you know what, we're going to, we're going to do this extension in hopes that it will not only create opportunity for some of our buddies, but it's also going to help the HB brand in the long run. Yeah. So when we first started thinking about that, we were like, Logan loves to waterfowl hunt. This Ronnie guy, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> he loves radio, but does he really like to hunt? No. Yeah. <laughs> um, loves to hunt, but probably just doesn't know as much about waterfowl hunting as Logan. I'm just kidding. Um, and yeah, it was, I was, I was more of a waterfowl hunter growing up, um, with my dad and everything. But once I started the, the Heartland bow hunter, once we started that, I was just straight up focused on, on, um, bow hunting. And I feel like my love for waterfowl kind of faded, but then seeing that Logan loved it that much. And then you also mm-hmm. enjoyed it as well. Yeah. What about, you know, there wasn't a better route to go than to start it at that time, because there's no way that Mike and I would have that time anyhow no. to go do what you guys do. And, um, let alone, I don't feel like we, we have the passion that you guys do for it. So, sure. um, yeah, that was really the avenue that, that got it going and we all talked about it and, you know, having you on board, honestly, you, you're a great marketer, uh, you entrepreneur driven and you were looking for that avenue to kick off your entrepreneurship career. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I've told Dakota on his podcast called the juice, um, go subscribe to that after the show. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I was all, I was hell bit on starting a show re- in one way, shape or form, you know, and I remember having beers with you on your back porch and just kind of talking about how to do it. And, and, and just finally at some point, I guess, earned my keep with whatever knowledge and, and thoughts or whatever you want to call it that I was able to provide, that you guys gave me an opportunity. So certainly a blessing. And, and here we are getting ready to release season nine and uh, the first week of July. And that's, that's hard for us to believe as well. So, um, so after 15 years, I'm sure it's hard to revisit every single hunt that you've done in the last 15 years, but is there a particular season or hunt that stands out above and beyond the rest of? Oh yeah. I hunt last year with my dad. That was, Oh yeah, best, that man. was huge. It, I don't know how we'll ever top that. I don't see how we, how we possibly could unless he did something just far more phenomenal, which I don't see that happening. And that um, was the episode we, we played at the premiere last year, yep. right? Yeah. Yes, it was. Um, that was, that was the best moment that I've ever had. Um, and my hunting career, I guess you could call it, or hunting, uh, hunting life, um, up to date. You know, I, I'm, I'm a father of one soon to be two, maybe. Congratulations, maybe, yeah, by the way. Very much. Maybe that, and congratulations <laughs> to you as well. <laughs> thank you. Um, maybe that moment will be, you know, topped somewhere down the road with one of my boys, but it we'll will. see. <laughs> it definitely will. All right, we're going to take a quick break. It's about that time now to discuss the annual Heartland Premier and the first ever Heartland Premier Charity Golf Classic. HB and HW have been collaborating for this Heartland Premier for several years now. Um, this special event is free to the public. It brings people from all over the country. 
the last couple of years, the HB guys have raffled off their bow for charity. And last year, Sean raffled off his bow to benefit the Restoration House of Greater Kansas City. That relationship then flourished and inspired us to host the first ever charity golf classic to benefit the Restoration House. All the details about that coming up next in a very deep and informative conversation about human trafficking with founder and president of the Restoration House of Greater Kansas City, Rodney Hammer, still to come on the all-new Papa Ron Podcast. The Papa Ron Podcast is brought to you by Dumar Solutions. Dumar Solutions, offering affordable chemical and PPE solutions for any industry. Automotive, industrial, manufacturing, concrete, and asphalt construction. Also offering kitchen cleaners, corrosion control, and specialty coatings. Detergents, cleaners, and degreasers, laundry care, floor care, odor control, personal hygiene, and much more. Do more with Dumar. Inquire with any of your needs at DumarSolutions.com. That's D-O-M-A-R-E solutions.com. Now back to the Paparon podcast. Here's Ronnie Phillips. Eight one six five five eight sixty three eighty nine again eight one six five five eight six three eight nine. Sean, I wish I could tell you that there was a ton of people that text in on the text line to ask you questions, but we're just too far into the infancy stages of this podcast for that to happen. So hopefully, if I read the number enough, it will eventually happen. But anyway, you can send in your voicemail or a text to interact with the Paparon Podcast. Ask questions or comments; it is welcome and encouraged. All right, the Heartland premiere coming up Saturday, June 4th at Stony Creek Hotel and Conference Center in Independence, Missouri. It's right next to Bass Pro Shops, just right there off I-70. Doors will open at 6.30 for this free event. It's always been free. We always plan to, to make it free. Uh, Heartland Bowhunter, Heartland Waterfowl, we're going to feature a viewing of one episode from each concept with the opportunity to win some really cool prizes from our sponsors with our very popular raffle. It's probably one of the most popular things about the entire evening, and we, we're talking some high-dollar items. You're not going to want to miss that, so make sure you bring some cash. Um, <clears throat> Sean, we know that this event is very popular for our fans. I mean, we've had people come from all over the country. I remember meeting people from Colorado and Ohio and Texas and uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, I remember people from Pennsylvania that have come. This is a big night for our fans, and we pack it every year with about 1,000 people, and that's the capacity of the venue. But I would say that it's equally as popular for our teams. It's that one night where we can all come together and kind of celebrate the work of our last hunting season. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's grown tremendously, by the way. Uh, I, I'm sure you remember, and those of you that have been there, the first ones that we actually ever held were separate. First it was HB, then HW, and I think we got so big uh, for an HB one at one point, we did two nights in a row yep. there at, at Bass, Bass Pro, Pro. Shops yep. in the conservation room where you could only hold like 200, two, yeah, 200 people, and we'd, we'd almost break the fire code, and so we, we, we moved it over two nights. Then we collaborated, and then obviously we had to move it over to, to Stony Creek. But, yeah, it's, it's a phenomenal evening. It's a fun event. Um, so much in giveaways. The, the amount of gear and things that we get from our sponsors that we're able to give away for free to, to the, the crowd there is, is insane and raffle off as well mm-hmm. um it's a, it's just a great opportunity for people people to have a good time meet us hang out all of us just talk about hunting and get to watch some of our new content of our upcoming seasons that's sure. never never been seen before do you guys have do you guys know what episode you're going to air for the premiere yeah so this one again skyler really carried the torch last year it'll be a, an episode of um him and his son jack and uh his his son shot his first year this past year in kansas and uh 
Yeah, so we're sharing that one. And I, I actually haven't seen the episode yet, so I can't I really? can't talk too much about it. But I believe <laughs> Skyler also shoots it here as well, but I could be wrong. I okay. See. Yeah, we're still in, in progress with uh, getting that episode together. We still don't know which one we're going to do. We're waiting on Chandler to get some of our stuff done. So it will either be, I think, uh, our second episode, which would be the second trip to North Dakota. Yep. Or the High Plains Wing Shooters up in Torrington, Wyoming, where we shot limits every single day that was a great trip we haven't seen the rough cut of that yet but it, i'm thinking it might be one of those two in addition to this year's premiere event for the first time ever we're hosting the heartland premiere charity golf classic this will be the day before the premiere friday june 3rd fred arbonis golf course i'm going to say arbonis and i'm sure someone's going to correct me later if it's wrong um but all of the proceeds are going to benefit the restoration house of greater kansas city now Sean brought this organization to our attention last year, and we quickly jumped on board with a, a huge desire to help. So um, I guess what I'd like to know is tell us how you learned about the Restoration House and, and maybe a little bit about your passion on supporting the organization. Yeah, so I was at a, um, a, a meeting near my house, really a local meeting um, of a bunch of conservatives that um, got together to just, well, we've been, we started this group. It's called We the People of Kansas City. I'm sorry, Jackson County, not Kansas City, Jackson County, um, near my house. And there's a few hundred people that meet there every month. And we were meeting there, and we've had different speakers every month. And um, Rodney was invited. And I'm not even sure how Rodney um, – we'll, we'll talk about it when Rodney comes on. But I'm not sure how Rodney got involved with that, but he was asked to become be a speaker there. And uh, he spoke for 45 minutes, and I was heavily influenced by what he had to say and um, really brought a lot of attention to things that I was completely unaware of as far as human trafficking goes. And uh, – I was completely inspired and really my, my jaw dropped listening to him. And so, um, shortly after that, uh, I was so touched with that, that I was like, you know what, I want to, I want to auction off my bow at, at our premiere and, um, give all the proceeds to restoration house of greater Kansas city. And so that's how I met Rodney I actually reached out to Rodney after that meeting. I don't believe I, I spoke to him there at the meeting. Cause there were a lot of people I feel like that kind of surrounded him, but, uh, um, he's a big I, deal. He, he, he really is. He's a celebrity. He is. He is. We raised like, <clears throat> I want to say thirty three hundred dollars. Does that sound right I for the boat? Right around there. Yep. Yep. Thirty one, thirty three. I don't. I don't remember. Yep. Probably had something to do with the auctioneer. Yeah. Exactly. If, if we would have had a really good auctioneer, we probably could have raised more. No. This is a joke on me because I was the one doing, and I'm not an auctioneer by any means. You did a great job. And, um, <laughs> no, I, I, I didn't think that we'd bring that much. To be honest with you, I thought I'd, I would have been happy with half of it. So sure. I'm sure Rodney would have too. Do we have any plans of any, has there been any discussion and it's, it's okay if there, if there hasn't been, but has there been any discussions of raffling off anything this year? Not yet, but um, I'm sure Mike and I can round something up. Cool. Right on. All right. Well, coming up next, we're going to get into it and we're going to dive deep into the issue surrounding human trafficking. Rodney Hammer is the founder and president of the Restoration House of Greater Kansas City that offers long-term housing and rehabilitation for victims of human trafficking. He will not only discuss the efforts of the Restoration House, but will offer some very deep insight to the problem of human trafficking across the country, and even more so, how it's impacting our community right here in the middle of the heartland. It's a very deep, possibly uncomfortable, but quite informative discussion. You won't want to miss it. It's next on the all-new Papa Ron Podcast. You're listening to the Papa Ron Podcast. Keep up to date on new podcasts, new discussion topics, and future casts. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Search Papa Ron Podcast and be sure to like and leave a comment. Now, back to the show. Here again is your host, Ronnie Phillips. 
All right, next week on the show, my special guest is not only the general manager of Sandy's Kitchen in Blue Springs, Missouri, he also happens to be a proud sponsor of the Heartland Premier Charity Golf Classic. He's also the founder of a soon-to-be-released organization called Be The Reason. Bobby Hines lost his brother Jared to suicide on New Year's Eve 2020. Jared was 38. And in his memory, brother Bobby is committed to bringing mental health and addiction awareness to the forefront with the goal of lifting each other up and making all of us feel like we have a purpose. And that is going to happen next week on the Papa Ron podcast. So... Finally, the moment has arrived. We've been talking about throughout the entire podcast that we're going to be speaking this with this guy. He is such a super good dude. I remember meeting him at the Heartland premiere last year. He is our special guest for this episode, and, and he is the founder and president of the Restoration House of Greater Kansas City. He's also the executive director, correct me if I'm wrong, because I stole all of this off of your LinkedIn, uh, the executive director of Blue River Kansas City Baptist Association. Is that accurate? Oh, let me turn up your mic. Already made the first mistake of the night. You said that is right. Correct. All right. Uh, And uh, his strength is in leading organizational change and creating strategic new approaches to transform organizations and people. And he's really passionate about restoring and empowering those unreached, exploited, and abused. It's my honor to welcome to the Papa Ron podcast, Mr. Rodney Hammer. Yeah. Thanks, Ronnie. Thanks, Ronnie. See, here at RP Global Enterprises, we have a very large in-studio audience, and so it always fills my heart whenever everybody in attendance can give uh, my guest a big round of applause. Outstanding. <laughs> hey, goosebumps. Yeah, well, it should. It should make you feel really good. All right, so uh, first of all, I got to get the elephant out of the room here at RP Enterprises Global Headquarters. This is Kansas State Wildcat Territory, so you need to come easy and pump the brakes on all the Baylor Bears hoorah, all right? Not a problem. Okay. We'll let, let it go. I <laughs> just thought we'd just kind of open up the, the interview with a little uh, lightheartedness. Um, but uh, let's talk about your background. You've received a Bachelor of Arts from Baylor. Uh, then you got your master's and your doctorate. So I guess we need to be calling you Dr. Nah. Rodney Hammer, huh? No, nah, that's not any good in a hunting show. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even know that. Yeah, he's got his doctorate awesome. from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. That's 10 years you spent in college, man. 10 years of education. Yeah, it was lengthy. Yeah. All of that vision and work tells me that you must be committed to a career of mission work. So kudos for that. And and transitioning here, give us some insight on how you founded the Restoration House of Greater Kansas City. So I uh, don't know if I got a chance to say this at the premiere last year. really appreciate that incredible opportunity and you guys' support. But uh, we served overseas for 18 years, and we saw a lot of human trafficking. Unfortunately, in in a lot of those settings, Asia, Eastern Europe, uh, Northern Africa, uh, Horn of Africa, those kind of places, it's very blatant, in your face, out there. You don't have to wonder. Uh, it's, uh, It's a lot of endemic corruption. So when we moved back after 18 years to the States in 08, I was just shocked to find out that we had a huge problem in human trafficking here. Mm-hmm. I'd seen it over there. It was, it was huge. It was, uh, it was seemed like it was so corrupt and involved with so many people. Felt really like there wasn't anything I could do about it, to be honest. It seemed very overwhelming. But when we got back here, uh, especially to Kansas City, where my wife is from, I'm originally from Texas, but moved up here Um in 08 and uh, began to find out that we got a huge human trafficking problem here. And it just, I just found that to be uh, astounding. 
And the difference is it's not so overt, you know, it's not so in your face and, and out uh, in, in front of you and, and aggressive, but it's all around us. And so as we began to learn about that, we just thought, you know, this, this cannot stand. Uh, human traffickers are targeting our children. They're targeting our families. They're operating in some cases with like near impunity. Uh, they ca- it causes corruption. There's so much money involved. It has a decaying effect on our society. And, uh, you know, for a country as, as great as ours to allow that uh, and, uh, and, not to, and not to do something about that just seems like that, that's just not something we, we, should, we should stand for. And on the compassionate end, in such a, a massive industry, FBI says, you know, $150 billion a year industry, uh, one to two million victims in the states, not internationals, right? That were brought here, but domestic American-born, victimized uh, sex slaves uh, trafficked uh, for and, uh, uh, children, uh, you know, up to up to adult women. And so, I'll never forget uh, a friend of mine was in an outreach to uh, to women that were forced to sell themselves on the street in that particular city, and. Uh, was relaying this story to me and said, uh, you know, I, I wanted to help. And I was kind of out of a, 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 you know, a good heart, but, but out of uh, some ignorance, I just kind of blurted out, well, why don't you just walk away? Why don't you just leave this? And the woman said, and it's forever seared on my brain. Well, okay. Am I coming home with you? You got a safe place for me? You're going to get me away from these, these traffickers. You got a job for me. What would I do? And at that whole, do you have a safe place for me? And what we learned through a long process then was if there's no safe place, if there's no alternative residential long-term recovery, because these are highly traumatized children uh, uh, and people. Uh, it's there. They have, uh, you know, one, uh, I know a lot of the, your listeners and fans are probably military and hunters and others, and they would understand PTSD mm-hmm. and it only takes, you know, like one violent or one serious incident to give you PTSD. Mm-hmm. Those that have been victimized in human trafficking and sold like cattle and used and abused, they have complex, chronic, multiple trauma, and it takes a while to peel back those layers. So not only did I feel like, you know, this is not worthy of our society to allow this to, to operate on such a massive scale and have such a corrosive effect in our, in our communities, but also on the compassionate end, uh, we need to help restore those that have been victimized in trafficking. Wow. Wow. That's deep, man. Um, the topic of human trafficking obviously is something that is many is uncomfortable for many to discuss because of its grotesque nature. Um, so I guess I feel like it, it allows me to believe that it gives people the inability to truly understand all that's involved with what supports the sick business. Yeah. Um, so let's rip off the bandaid and, and inform everyone of what this human, the, the history of this human trafficking business and the true magnitude of the issue. So uh, one approach would be to first to kind of categorize it. There's in human trafficking, you have two main areas, sex trafficking, where somebody is literally uh, sold for commercial benefit 
under the control in the, the definition legally is force, fraud, or coercion. So force, fraud, or coercion for an adult takes place, and then, then that person is sold for the commercial gain of another. Uh, that's trafficking, sex trafficking. Labor trafficking is, a, is another kind of trafficking. Oh, they do often run into one another. Uh, you're talking 40 million people enslaved in human trafficking globally. Wow. Anywhere from one to four million, I think conservatively, because we don't want to overstate. It's really hard to get the numbers straight because it's a moving target. Sure. Goes underreported for lots of reasons. Um, people don't want that stigma. If that's happened to them, they're afraid they'll get in trouble. And the truth of the matter is the force, the fraud, and the coercion. The, the force and the coercion often revolves around very real threats, uh, beatings, uh, abuse, uh, mistreatment. And so there's a lot of reasons why people wouldn't want to to report that and, and get in more trouble. Uh, here in the States, I mentioned that, uh, you know, a lot of people think that the only people that are trafficked in labor or sex trafficking in the States are foreign-born nationals that were brought here. And that is a problem, and it does happen. But 90% of those victimized by human trafficking in the States are U.S. citizens born here, raised here. What tends to happen is... Uh, uh, Human traffickers, you guys are businessmen as well as hunters and so forth. Uh, human traffickers at, at a high level are business people. They're smart business people. They know there's high demand, which is part of the problem. There, there's high demand. We can talk about the demand later if you want to. But there's high demand uh, to, to buy children, to buy people to use for for somebody uh, sexually or, or for, for uh, slave labor. Um and so uh, there's a high demand, so they, they then provide a service. I don't know how to say it in polite language. Don't. To right. be Just give it to me between you the know, eyes. I, I'm using terms like, you know, business and service. But, I mean, you're talking about, you're talking about selling some, somebody. Uh, and, you know, movies like, um, what was that movie? Taken. Oh. Yeah. No, well, yeah, but uh, I'm thinking <laughs> of, uh, I'm thinking of uh, Richard Gere and. Um, oh, Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman. Yeah glorifies prostitution prostitution oh, yeah. yeah it's not like that no. i i know now unfortunately i guess fortunately though i've been enriched by the relationships I, we know we know a lot of people that have been forced into prostitution uh we we often use the term they they were prostituted they didn't choose it as a vocation they were forced into it um and and or uh you know they were uh, somehow uh, uh, forced or coerced into uh into being sold and they'll tell you this is not a pretty woman date this is paid rape yeah right sold 10 to 12 times a day abused subjected to whatever the buyer wants people take their phones now and they can they can look up a podcast but you can also order like you order pizza you can go to sites craigslist personal ads websites chat rooms, all kinds of places, um, and you can order up a child or a person like you would order a pizza. And, uh, and then the arrangement and the, you know, the meet, the meetup is, is made and so forth. Uh, if people are interested to dive deeper, and I know we don't have time, that Polaris Project operates the National Human Trafficking Hotline. And if you go there, you can also see uh, some of the research that they've done from actual cases. 
And uh, the Polaris Project uh, has uh, has written a, a white paper, I guess, if you will, called the Typologies of of Human Trafficking. The different types. There's like 25 different types. What we would associate with trafficking often is like a street level prostitution, but that's only one of 24, and it's not the most prevalent. And the fastest growing element is online, where somebody is forced to do things on video or live it's put online and people pay money a lot of money mm-hmm. uh we had a a, a recent acquaintance uh, she was trafficked online and uh she was asked uh you know well what does that mean she says, it means that i'm forced to do different things with people online uh and it's posted and then people can buy or subscribe to watch it and um, and if I don't meet my quota, I get the living daylights beat out of me. Uh, I'm 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 threatened. My family is threatened, and uh, they they busted her trafficker. And over a two year period, this guy pocketed one point seven million dollars off of her. Wow! And I'll never forget. Somebody said, "Well, how much of that did you get to keep?" I'm like, "Oh, I can't believe you just asked that." Yeah. <laughs> and she said, "None of it. It's all on my back." But this guy pocketed one point seven million off of this one, this one young lady. So it, it's a big problem. It takes a lot of different forms. Uh, so what we do—that's the problem, right? We got a big problem, Houston. We got a problem. Yeah. Yeah. But we found a solution. Okay. And uh, there's different things that people can get involved in legislatively, uh, and 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 otherwise. But our part of the solution is the restoration of survivors of human trafficking that gives us a chance also to, you know, to educate, do what we're doing tonight, uh, create some awareness, but on the compassionate side, uh, while we try to address these other parts of the issue uh, in prevention, you know, and awareness, uh, prosecution and so forth, it's really important that, uh, that we seek justice and restoration for those that have been, uh, victimized. That's what we do. We, we establish safe homes, if you will, but it's long-term. What we learned is that, you know, a shelter is good, but it's not adequate. Right. There needs to be uh, an opportunity for them to be in a safe place with very intentional, specific, uh, professional care uh, wrapped around with lots of love and compassion and unconditional love. It's a judgment-free zone. We're not here to judge you. We're here to help you. Uh, deal with what's happened to you. It's not your fault. And so that's what we do. We have a, a home for kids and a, and a home for adult women. We're expanding. And, you know, part of what you guys helped us do last year was expand. Uh, we tripled the number of beds from 6 to 18 for, for women. And this year we hope to double the number of beds again for women and, and for children. So, man, we appreciate the support. How many homes are in and around Kansas City Metro? So there's two right now. Our campus, uh, we had an old church property donated. And I was actually telling Sean, yeah. there is a big Godzilla buck back there. <laughs> All kind of sign. And I'm like, before we go in there and expand, you know, the, the housing that we're going to sure. do, get we need deal. to figure out how we we're get gonna. that, how we get that, how we get Bubba on, uh, how we gonna. get Godzilla on the, on film. Cause there's some nice sign back there. I yeah. remember we were walking back there to see where the borders were. We wanted to buy this extra 10 acres. I'm like, Oh, there's a big boy back here. Now wow. in your professional career, you might be like, nah, you know, not that big, but he looked like he might be big to me. So we're expanding. 
We bought 10 more acres to go with the seven that were donated. We're going to build tiny cabins and tiny cottages and like a safe community and transitional living for women that come out of the, the intensive program and are ready, not quite ready to reintegrate in society, but ready to be uh, in a little more of an autonomous setting, but still have uh, support. Is that, is that uh, 10 acres? So that's done, signed, sealed, delivered. It's going to happen? Yeah, we've got 17 acres uh, now. Uh, we're doing all the master site planning, and we're in a, we're in a capital campaign called Sky's the Limit to uh, raise the funds to, to, build the, to build the homes. Okay, so <clears throat> with what you do, you've got to always be proactive and forward-thinking. And, you know, you've, yeah. you've got the 10 acres and you've got the 17. And what's next? That's what I want to know. What's next? Because we're going to do this charity golf classic and we're going to raise some money. Yeah. What is it that we can do with this, with this golf classic and the money that we can do to help you with what the next goal is going to be? Right. So we're in the, uh, the new 10 acres that we're going to be building on. We haven't actually started the building yet. So we're raising the money for the structures and we're working with uh, construction engineers and other people do the, do the site planning, you know, the power, the water and all that. So we're raising money for that. And then uh, what we would love is for uh, a group like Heartland Waterfowl, Heartland Bowhunter, a business, a church, a rotary, uh, to take one tiny cabin and, and fund it and furnish it. Hmm. We're thinking it's going to take about $60,000. We're going we're to build a prefab, like hmm. four to 500 square foot, one bedroom, and then we're going to do a few maybe 600, 650 square foot, two or three bedrooms. I mean, these are small right. uh, in, this, in this safe community, this transitional housing. So uh, it would be really cool to have uh, somebody like, like, like you guys folks to, uh, to maybe hone in on, on one of those tiny cabins or, yeah. or, or tiny cottages. And even if you couldn't do the whole thing, you, know, you might go together with, you know, with some others to, to, to fund that one. Sure. Yeah. Okay, Kansas City, you heard it. Yeah. Charity Golf Classic, you need to make sure you get there and you need to bring your wallets and we need to try to figure out how we're going to raise $60,000. That's going to be a steep <laughs> a steep goal to accomplish in one golf tournament. Um, I had one question, that, and this kind of backs us up a little bit, but you talked about when you had come across um, people who were still under the the pimp, for lack of better words. Yeah. Um, and she said, well, am I coming home with you? Where do I go? Where do I work? What am I going to do? Yeah. Um, I guess my question is, is how is it if they're so they're, they're such a stronghold on these, on these individuals, Yeah. the ones that you're restoring somehow got away, right? How do they break away? Like if, 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 for, if I don't even know if it's possible that as someone who's going through this could potentially be listening to this podcast, but if there was a way that a message could be sent, who is under that, that pimp, how they could get away. Well, what, what have you learned from that? How does someone run away from that? that was yeah. My question. Yeah, no, it's a great question. And it, it is somewhat varied. Sure. Um, we've had women come from various parts of the States. Now uh, we, we help uh, children. I'll give you a children's example and an adult example, just because there are so many different ways this happens, but mm -hmm. In a case of a minor, okay, under 18, a child, um, it, it's usually because somebody discovered that this child was being trafficked and somebody in law enforcement or the medical community or at a hospital 
uh, or social worker or somebody in a situation where they kind of looked around, they saw this, and they went, okay, that didn't look right. Um, you know, a highway patrolman makes a stop in Kansas last year and finds that there's this van full of people and they've got a, they've got a little girl in this van load of dudes under the, under the floorboard in the back and they figure out that the highway patrolman figures, okay, obviously this is messed up. And then upon further investigation finds out that this, this child is being sold. Uh, and so uh, and the how child old was, was that rescued. child? So, uh, in another case, this I got a phone call on my cell phone. I probably shouldn't have, but I, my cell phone's everywhere now. Yeah. And uh, but you know, if you're going to help people, you got they got to have a chance to call somebody. We have a we have a crisis line too. Anyway, my cell phone rings. It's late one evening, and it's a children's. It's a Jackson County Children's Division investigator. She says, "Look, I don't have a lot of time, but I, I've got a nine year old. Mm. A nine year old." I, I saw, I met this little girl. She looked six. She was tiny. I got a nine-year-old. I can hear the nine-year-old screaming, terrified. This little girl was, uh, did not speak English, Spanish speaker. Didn't know where she was, what was going on. She's being sold to, to guys. Nine years old. So this, the, she had gone, been taken to the hospital for medical treatment because unfortunately, in her case, fortunately, but unfortunately, because of the what's happening to them, they need medical treatment. And because they're a commodity to be sold, traffickers, pimps will take them to get medical treatment because that's how they make their money. Is is so 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 this little girl is brought to the hospital to be treated uh, for, as you can imagine, injuries. And uh, this children's investigator gets called by somebody at the hospital. Anyway, she. She has the legal right then to take to take this girl. And she calls and said, I heard you might have a, a bed in your home for minors. And I said, we do. She said, okay, here's the deal. We're going to finish this forensic exam. And then uh, you're going to tell me, don't tell me now, text it to me. You're going to tell me where to take this little girl. And she didn't, to be honest with you, she did not follow appropriate protocol. But this, like this investigator was like, look, what I got to do tonight is get this little girl away because the trafficker was at the hospital. Sure. And she said, if I'm not, if I'm not where you tell me to go in an hour, you call the cops. Cause I've got to shake this guy. It was one of the more dramatic things, but so it was, it was an example from a minor of, of how an adult in a responsible position and had legal rights was able to, was able to, to identify what was going on and then bring this little girl to us. Mm. Uh, by the way, good news. She's doing great. Now. Good. That's she's awesome. doing great. How old now. is she now? She would be turning 10. Oh, so uh, within a year. year. Yeah. Man, when you said that, um, you might've seen when you walked in, I've got a, yeah, <laughs> my daughter's going to turn nine in August. Yeah. That yeah. just, how messed up is that? That, right? that really kind of kicked me in the gut right there. Yeah. And she looks a lot, she's a lot smaller than your daughter that, yeah. you know, let me wow. in, the, in the house tonight. An adult example uh, we get phone calls, Facebook messages, um, text, but we also get from victims saying, I, I need help. I need to get out of this mess or I, I somehow, uh, got away in a, in a particular situation, like at a gas station or something, or they're at the hospital and they're getting some kind of treatment. And they're like, I'm going to die if I go back. And, and then they'll connect to us. But we get a lot of referrals, right? 
medical, law enforcement. We partner very closely with law enforcement. And uh, on May the 13th, actually, we're training uh, Cass County law enforcement uh, in how to better identify trafficking victims and, and the approaches they can take that will be more conducive to uh, being victim-centered and, and empathetic and not in prosecution mode, but in, okay, this is the victim. How do I know who the victim is and how do I help? So we get a lot of referrals. They come to us. Um, yeah. Wow. I, I had one question. So you said um, long-term care. How long is long-term as long as they need? Um, for us, the victim. Yeah, you know, uh, I'll never forget one one lady said uh, we have. Uh, so you know, we have uh, all female staff, uh-huh. right? There's only me and a couple other guys. We do stuff like fundraising, awareness, you know, uh, administration, leadership, things like that. But the women on staff directly relate to the the women and the girls. But we have an occasion sometimes to, to, you know, to interact once they've been there a while and they feel comfortable. And this, uh, uh, this lady said to me, um, um, you need to back up. I'm already across the room. I'm like, I'm, that's me. I'm this is a victim? or yeah, okay. it's a victim who, who had come to, to, to our house, uh, mm. to our safe home. And she said, uh, you need to know because of what I've experienced, I hate men. So you better stay over there. And she looked like she could take me. Yeah. I mean, she was she was yeah. pretty upset. And I said, "Ma'am, I don't blame you at, at all. You you just uh, you know you, you relate uh, when you feel comfortable." So sometimes we, we we do get to interact, and and they will, uh, you know, they'll let us know kind of their story and and how it came about. What was the other part of your question? Sean? My question was, I would you know, is it take. Oh, how long, long is it? Yeah, take? Is it I mean, I'm, everyone's different, so yeah. and every situation is different. Yeah, you know? that that same lady said it took her a year before she could sleep through the night. Wow. At, at our place where she was safe, protected, yeah, you know, right. supported, took her a whole year before she could sleep through the night because of all the the things that, that typically would happen to her uh, at night. So what we learned, Sean, in that was, in in a lot of these experiences. One, we have now what we call a kind of a one to three year program, uh-huh. and uh, because uh, often it takes a year to go from terrorized and traumatized to some semblance of a, a kind of a what we would call a normal uh, experience in life. You know, in terms of you don't wake up fearful mm-hmm. for what's going to happen to you that day. Um, many of us uh, don't are blessed that way. And so it takes them a while to kind of get to there. And once they're there, then they can start looking at what do they want to do? Cause we don't want to just rescue, which we do. And we don't just want to stabilize, but we do that, but we want to, then we want to empower them for a new life. And so they not only need time to work through the trauma and all these different things that, that have happened to them and related issues, um, uh, but also, they need time then to uh, to 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 develop a, a new life. They often don't have a, a resume with a marketable job. One lady came to us and she said she ran away from home as a teenager because she was abused at home. And this is what traffickers do: they they exploit vulnerability. So if your vulnerability is poverty, if your vulnerability uh, is emo- uh, emotional uh, instability, if you're if you've got abuse and you're neglecting your background, whatever it is, they'll exploit that vulnerability. 
And so she ran away from home, joined a gang to gain love and acceptance. I couldn't believe when she was telling me this. I said, you ran away from home because of the abuse in order to gain love and acceptance, and you thought you would get that in a gang. She said, yeah, because I never had it at home. Yeah. Guess what the gang did? Yeah. They yeah. sold her. Oh, yeah. They sold her to uh, her first trafficker. For 10 years, she was trafficked, forced to, to sell herself. Uh, and uh, and you, you talk about how does she come to us? Well, somebody on the street uh, went up to her. She, was, uh, she had to sell herself on the street, on a particular street corner in another city. And they went up to her, and they said, hey, we just want you to know we love you. We're here for you. If we can ever help, here's the number. Mm. She called that number. One day when the trafficker and the, the, the lead pimp was uh, was out of the house in the afternoon, and she grabbed that number and she called them. And they said, okay, if you can get to, I forget what it was, the dollar store, the whatever, we'll come get you. So she slid out, and uh, the, uh, the guy caught her trying to escape and tried to drown her in the bathtub, and she got away later. And uh, anyway, uh, it's kind of a, a dramatic example. <clears throat> but then she, 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 these women picked her up and then, uh, there was a, a there's a, a lot of networks now. Right. And so she needed to get out of state. So then they called us and now she's, now she's here. So, wow. Yeah. So <clears throat> we could talk about this for hours. Um, I have a couple more questions and I, I want you to really, especially because a majority I think of this audience is going to be coming from the Kansas city Metro or at least this region, the Midwest region. Right. So I was telling you before we started the show that I had been doing some research and had found a woman who was a spokesperson for the restoration house of greater Kansas city. And, and I don't remember the date of when that YouTube um, video came out, but she had said that Kansas city is one of the largest hubs, um, in, in, in pertaining to human trafficking, you know, you would think that it would be Chicago or LA or Los Angeles or, or uh, New York city, but actually Kansas city, the middle of the heartland was actually one of the big, why is that? You know, uh, as business people, you would understand this, right? What makes Kansas city great. It's gotta be the interstate distributing goods. Yeah. Right. The is good for distributing uh, other things, including people. So, uh, you know, Kansas City is a is a nexus of transportation. Uh, it's in it's in the heartland. It's in the middle. You know, there's a big uh, trafficking track, if you will, that kind of runs Texas all the way up to Minneapolis, and we're right on that on that route. And then it breaks off and goes east up to Chicago. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of these major thoroughfares where traffickers, especially organized crime traffickers, they'll, they'll run, they'll use these routes. They'll keep people moving. So there's, there's localized, but then there's this regionalized. So that, which makes Kansas city good for lots of other business, unfortunately also makes it conducive to, yeah. uh, to, to traffickers. But you know, every major city now has a big problem. You know, you could split hairs in, in a given study. You know, you could say, okay, this one's ranked eighth and this one's ranked 18th. But the truth of the matter is now we don't, we don't have a major city in, in America that's not drastically affected by this. So then the last question, I guess, for me is, and I'm sure it's a tough question to answer because the the question ultimately is, 
how do they get there? Like, is it kidnapping? Is it, are they just snatching these people off the street? Obviously you talked about the example of someone who left their home. They were a runaway. They were seeking affection. They got sold. So I can certainly understand that. Yeah. But is it, which, which is it primarily? Because the more I hear about human trafficking and I've got a nine-year-old daughter or eight-year-old daughter upstairs, you know, and when I was growing up and a kid, we could play in the park and our parents could say, go and, you know, like, I almost feel uncomfortable or irresponsible as a parent that I let my daughter play outside with her friends, which frankly is a bunch of other girls as well. And there's not a parent got eyeballs on them. And so what's the message for parents? You know, what is the message for like, are they snatching them off the street or what, what can you do to give me some peace of mind here? Yeah. So <laughs> or can it, you, you can't say that it is true that some kids get taken, but that is not the, the, the main approach. The business model, if I can say it that way, for human traffickers is low risk, high reward. You start snatching kids from Greenwood, and there's going to be a bunch of angry people looking for you, right? So high high risk, not probably not worth it. It does happen, but that's not the deal. There's two main ways that American kids get trafficked. One is they're recruited and groomed online, Mm. and that's where you really want to pay attention. And then the second is they are often, and this is so sad, but they are often trafficked by somebody they know or a family member. So the family member, so for example, uh, let's say uh, the mom or the dad has a, a drug addiction and they get so desperate to feed that habit that they'll even sell their own kids and it, and it happens. But also uh, the, the, the familial trafficking does happen. Uh, but uh, a mu- the probably the most common approach, other than the online grooming, is the in person, and this is what happens. They call him the Romeo pimp, or 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 a, an older guy will tell he'll look for girls either online or in person somewhere, and uh, he's looking f- uh, to to fill that that emotional need for love and acceptance and uh, will present himself as a potential boyfriend or acquaintance. Now, overseas, it's often the lure of, of a job. But here in the States, it's more of a relational grooming. So whether it's online or it's in person, it's this sense of somebody saying, ingratiating themselves and expressing kind of a, a false romantic or personal interest, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I was just talking to my mother-in-law before I came over here, and she's talking about these these boys that live in our neighborhood. And the dad was just telling her about how uh, about how he spends all his time paying attention to what his boys are doing online. And I said, you, and she said, you know, those boys would never do anything. I said, I said, Mom, sure. I said, listen, it's not that they would do something wrong. There's people looking for them. And do you know what the number one recruitment tactic is for boys? Gaming. Because it's all interactive now, right? These kids are online, and they're playing games against kids all over the world. Yep. You don't know who's on the other end. There's all these chat mechanisms and all sure. stuff. A lot of stuff. I'm not a gamer, but it's very interactive. What is that popular Fortnite? Where they like one of the biggest I think popular? It was, yeah, and, yeah. And you can you can sometimes speak to other people on there. I mean, yeah. that's been around for a while, but yeah, yeah. yeah it's very interactive, but uh. uh so gaming can be uh, one way, but they they will they will rather either online or in person they will try to ingratiate themselves, establish a relationship, and you know, suburban young 
uh, girls have been groomed online uh, to to the to the extent of feeling like they've got a relationship with this person on the other end that they think is perfectly innocent, but it's not. They'll actually then get the 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 girl or a group of girls, you know, to go to a party or to meet them somewhere, and at that point, then they uh, they will. Uh, make them do stuff or they'll, or they'll take them away or they'll do things like that. So uh, for parents, uh, pay attention to what's going on online. There's lots of educational materials on that. Um, and then um, what I tell men is this, and I know you have a lot of male uh, listeners and viewers. Um, if you don't express to the girls and the, and the grand, the grandchild and the, and the niece and your own girls, the love and acceptance and the value that they need, they're going to find it somewhere, and it's not going to be from somebody with their best interest. They need to get it from us. They need to get it from their parents, their grandparents, their aunts and uncles, uh, you know, the, their fellow church members, their fellow, uh, their fellow uh, community members. And when that hole, when, that, when, when there's a hole there of that need for love and acceptance uh, is not met, then traffickers will step into that and they'll play on that and they'll, uh, they'll ingratiate themselves and then they'll, then they'll traffic them. So there's a lot to pay attention there for, uh, for parents. I don't want to freak people out, but it is, it is unfortunately a very active thing going, going on. Yeah, no, I was freaked out before you came over. <laughs> I mean, it's it, like this isn't the first time we've had this conversation or I've had this conversation. I've learned about it. I mean, yeah. it was it seems like in the last year we heard about a huge sting that took place down in Wichita or something. So, yep. um, you know, I'm being the father of a daughter and he, she's a very attractive girl. You know, like I I'm definitely sensitive to what is she doing on Instagram or the TikToks, you know, and she shares an account with my, with my wife. And so, you know, we don't want to be completely holding her back and, and because that in of itself could also be detrimental, you know, where the right. person is sheltered too much that she doesn't have a chance to feel like she's living. And then she's met somebody who's going to give her that ability to live. And then they, but they have the wrong intentions, obviously. So right. it's, it's a balancing act. Parenting, parenting is hard for sure. For sure. It's, it's crazy. Just, you know, I, I know this, this podcast is also driven on, um, you know, uplifting one another. And yeah. Whatnot, but yeah. Just, it really makes me go back to think of what, uh, well, I didn't, I didn't really come up with this motto, but T-Bone, you know, yeah. Travis Turner, he, he's a guy that um, is well known in the outdoor industry. He, uh, he had cancer and had to have a leg amputated and his whole mindset has been positive through this entire experience. And mm. going through this whole thing tonight, T-Bone would have said, man, soon as you think you got it bad somebody always has it worse and hearing mm. about these victims mm-hmm. man it's just it's crazy you know you, you might have a bad day and think you just got you just got it so bad but <laughs> yeah here to, i mean rodney's here to tell you that there are so many people out there that yeah. have it far worse than we can ever even imagine absolutely well um I really, really, really appreciate you coming in, not only for coming in on this podcast. Thank you for what you do. I mean, it takes a special individual with a really huge heart and with a really uh, great relationship with Jesus and, and, and God and, and to dedicate a career to mission work. And I mean, you're a special man. So, um, and I know that you're not about, you know, accolades and, and pats on the back, but I just want you, I guess more than anything, lift you up because 
what you're doing is is really it's great and it's it's is it's a serious problem and as this uh, as we continue down the road i i hope that the problem is going to get rectified and so that it won't be as serious unfortunately i don't have a lot of faith in that right now and so we just got to get the message out there and and, I, and that's the the reason for doing this podcast tonight you know not only about getting the message on how we can help these people who have gotten away and and help them be restored, but actually give some uh, background on human trafficking, give some background on the history, understand that, hey, this is big business. You mentioned 40 million people, and, and that's just kind of a broad number. We don't actually know the number, but 40 million people are right now sex slaves, basically. And that's just uh, an astronomical number to me. So I think that once you kind of start hitting people between the eyes with the information, it really kind of starts to resonate a little bit more. And for me, it makes me a little bit more passionate about what we're trying to accomplish with this charity golf classic on June 3rd. And so I just encourage anybody who's listening to this, who would love to be a part And look, this is a, this is a terrible thing. Uh, The restoration part is not a terrible thing. I need to be careful about what I say there. I mean, the whole business side of that is is a terrible thing, but um, this day we're going to celebrate on the golf tournament, we're going to celebrate what we're able to accomplish through the restoration, what we're able to accomplish with the money that we're going to raise. So get signed up through this. You can do it through the online store at heartlandbowhunter.com. It's very fair pricing. We're still looking for sponsors, you know, whole sponsors, beverage cart sponsors, um, logoed ball sponsors, sponsor, whatever you want to sponsor. You could sponsor a putting contest, a long drive contest, a, a closest to the pin contest, whatever it might be. If you'd like to be involved, your business would like to be involved. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can contact me directly, Ronnie, at paparonradio.com or Ronnie at heartlandwaterfowl.com. You can contact Sean at Sean at uh, heartlandbowhunter.com. We would love to hear from you. It's $400 a team, so it's $100 a player. If you'd like to sponsor a whole, it's just an additional $200. $600, you get a team and, in, and, and you get that whole sponsorship. And again, um, all of the money is going to go towards the Restoration House and helping these um, women, adult women and minor girls. That's, that's the crazy thing is the in minor girls through this process. I am so grateful for you. Uh, not only what you do for coming in and taking the time. Um, he's the founder and president of the restoration house of greater Kansas city. You find their website, restorationhousekc.org. Is there any other uh, social platforms or uh, information yeah, you like you to send people on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, on on LinkedIn, and I just want to leave one thing. I know we talked about a lot of heavy stuff and the nature of it and all of that, but maybe some listeners feel like I felt, which was it's too big for me to do anything about. And I, I'm not special. I'm just I'm just a guy like uh, many of these listeners. But but what I learned was uh, if you get together with others, you you can make a difference. And so what we tell. Uh, survivors and victims is you don't have to remain a victim we do have a safe place for you and we're going to expand that capacity and hopefully uh even uh, expand around the country but the second thing is you can save the lives of victims of human trafficking you can make a difference and even if it's 600 not 60,000 you know when we all do our part and we we come together around it uh we we can make a difference and we can partner and you can really uh, make an impact and uh, save and change some lives. Absolutely. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Again, Rodney Hammer, the doctor, 
the Dr. Rodney Hammer. Thank you for coming in. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to wrap up episode two of the Papa Ron Podcast. You're listening to the Papa Ron Podcast. Keep up to date on new podcasts, new discussion topics, and future casts. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Search Papa Ron Podcast and be sure to like and leave a comment. Now, back to the show. Here again is your host, Ronnie Phillips. All right, once again, I'd like to thank my boy Dakota Thurn, Marathon Media Management, coming in behind the scenes, running the camera, and is a big reason for why I am actually doing this Papa Ron podcast. Um, you can also listen to this podcast on any popular platform. You can uh, check out the video version on Spotify and the Papa Ron podcast YouTube channel. Also, quick thanks to my good friend. I consider him a brother. He's a partner to the Heartland brand, Sean Luchtel, not only for being here for this episode, but for also bringing the Restoration House organization to our attention. I think I can speak on on, on behalf of everyone involved with the Heartland pre- uh, premiere. We are equally on board to help however we can. Uh, also, quick thanks to Rick Hunter, Rich Donovan, a.k.a. Donovan, with the help and the uh, production elements of the Papa Ron podcast. Don't forget, Donovan has an online radio station that plays the uh, music from the 80s and the top hits of other decades. You can find that online at uh, coolfmonline.com. Don't forget, next week on the show, my special guest will be Bobby Hines from a new organization called Be The Reason. We'll discuss the tragic loss of his brother Jared to suicide a couple years ago and how that inspired Bobby to launch an organization that brings mental health and addiction awareness an effort to lift people up and help those who are struggling, struggling to find purpose. That's not the music. There we go. <laughs> Again, thank you for those who have subscribed and listened and are watching the last two episodes of the Papa Ron podcast. The feedback has been touching and inspiring. The encouragement and the support sure makes a guy feel really good. So for Dakota Thurn, Sean Luttle, and Dr. Rodney Hammer, I'm Ronnie Phillips. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Papa Ron podcast. Enjoyed this show? Hit subscribe now and tell your friends on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, and other social platforms. To participate on the show, leave a message with your comments or questions by calling or texting 816-558-6389. That's 816-558-6389. Until next time, thanks for listening to the Papa Ron Podcast. Papa Ron Podcast. Oh.